3. <clears throat> Matthew chapter number 3. That was the pits last week, driving all over Hattiesburg, finding all the drive throughs full, all the places had a waiting line, and I'm thinking if that guy would have shut up just a little earlier last week, we could have got in and got out and got on with our life, and so I'll make a deal with you today. I'm not going to preach any longer than the Holy Spirit wants us to, all right? And uh, I'm just going to put that out there like that, all right? Uh, I remember when I was in college, our teacher, she came, we came in and we asked her, could we just get out early today? And she says, you know, college is one of the few things that you pay for that you don't want. And how often is church that way? We come to get out. I hope you didn't come to get out today. Uh, I'll do my best not to uh, get in a hostage situation with you where they're negotiating to get us out of here. But I believe today God's given us. I'm very excited about the message today. I'm going to preach it as quickly as possible. Uh, but I pray you'll listen intently and let the Holy Spirit give you what we need. Matthew chapter number 3. And we're going to read in chapter 3, also chapter 4 today. Look down in verse number 13. We're reading about John who is baptizing. Uh, in the wilderness of Judea, and Jesus is about to approach, all right? Jesus is really about to kick off his earthly ministry, if you will, in earnest, and we're going to pick up in verse 13 and then read down into chapter 4 just a little bit. The Bible says, Matthew chapter number 3, verse 13, then, key word there, pay attention to that, then, G then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? Question mark. And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he suffered him. Look down, if you will, at the end of verse 17. The Bible shows God's response to the baptism of Christ. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Pick up verse 1 of chapter 4. Notice the word again. The Bible says, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came, came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Verse number 5, what's the word at the very beginning? Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, and thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. We're going to skip on down if you could. The Bible says he takes him to the top of the mountains and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and offers them to him. Verse number 10, notice what the Bible says. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. There's a lot to unravel here today, but what a wonderful picture we're going to see of God's providence and direction in our lives. Before we pray this morning, I want to mention two of our people today. Miss Linda Bankston is in ICU at Forest General and needs our prayer today, as well as Brother Gene Brown. He is going through some struggles with his kidneys this morning. So as a church body who are missing our people today, let's pray and ask the Lord to bless the message and these of our own church family. Father God, thank you, Lord, today for the privilege of being in your house. Thank you, Father, that we're relying upon 
on you and you wholly to do your will and your power in the lives of us today. I pray for the lost to be convicted of their sin and their need for their Savior and trust him, Lord, before it's eternally too late. And I pray for the saved Father that today we'd be challenged to move in the direction of your will in our lives. And I thank you, Father, for what you're going to do, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. I was thinking yesterday that, you know, along with technology, as we've seen this morning, there can be a lot of headaches and there can be a lot of heartaches, but technology can be good, just about like anything else, when you use it uh, in the right way and for the right reasons. And particularly, I was thinking about our cell phones. Uh, I use my cell phone a lot. I am unfortunately one of those people who always has his cell phone with him. Uh, I don't like talking on the phone, uh, but sometimes you just have to do that in the line of being a pastor. But one of the things I use my phone for, and I think probably a lot of us do, is we use it for navigation. Uh, I looked it up the other day, and a study says that 67% of mobile phone users use their phone for navigation. Now, those other 33% are undoubtedly men, and undoubtedly I get behind them all the time on the highway. And then 31% of that 67% use their phone all the time for their navigation. They depend upon it for their navigation. Now, growing up in Hattiesburg or around Hattiesburg, I'm very familiar with the main avenues and the main roads around. Hattiesburg. I'm very familiar with the general direction uh, of how to get around town, uh, Highway 49, Highway 59, Highway 98, Hardy Street. I understand those fairly well, but I did not grow up in Hattiesburg, so I only knew general directions around town. So from time to time, I have to pull out my phone to find out where some of you live uh, when you lay out of church, and I have to come find you, all right? Saving the trouble and don't do that. Just come to church, amen? We we ought to be here. Uh, But from time to time, I will not know where I'm going, and to get specific direction, I will punch it into my phone. Now, do we have the pictures back there today? Are they going to be able to pop up? I'll show you some of what I do. So when I'm, uh, this is one of my wife's favorite coffee shops, the depot uh, downtown. So uh, I'll punch that in my phone, and it gives me a general direction. You see that blue line kind of gives you the general direction of where we should go, but I need a little more specific direction, all right? Uh, I am a man, and from time to time, I feel compelled to follow my own directions and get lost, which means I lose time, and I don't need to lose time, so I need more specific direction. Can we zoom in uh, just a little bit on the next slide? So we zoom in a little bit closer, uh, and we find street-level directions that show us exactly the roads that I need to go to take my wife to the depot so we can get some coffee and some Gouda grits. If you've not had the depot's Gouda grits, you have missed out, and you need to go tomorrow, right? But then you zoom in a little bit closer, and my phone will give me even more specific directions. Uh, I like this. I really do because I have my directions on my Apple watch and I keep it on silent. And so as I'm navigating down through the byways and highways of Hattiesburg, my phone begins to vibrate a couple of times telling me when to turn, and my wife thinks I just know magically where to go to that magical GPS that all men have. I just gave up my secret, but I did it for the sake of illustration today. All right? I need general direction. Yes, we all need general direction. But from time to time, we need specific direction, don't we? We need to know where to go in life. Now, unfortunately, Siri uh, is useless when it comes to finding direction in life, okay? Now, do I believe some people are trying to find direction through Siri? Yeah, absolutely. You can tell by the way they're living their life. But as God's people, we need to know how to find God's will. All right? Not just general direction of life. Don't do bad and yes, do good. No, we need specific direction in our life, but how do we find that? 
How do we find specific direction in our life, especially in matters that are of spiritual nature? Now, folks, look, there's some serious things that you need to know which way to go on, all right? There's some serious decisions each and every one of us are going to make in our life, and you need to know exactly which way to go. You don't need general direction. You need specific direction in your life. Think about it. The greatest decision you will ever make is heaven or hell. Aren't you glad, if you're safe here this morning, that when you came to that place deciding which way to go, that God had somebody that was there to give you specific direction, not according to their opinion or tradition, but according to the will and the word of God on how you could know for sure that heaven's your home. By the way, if you don't know that, you can before you leave here today. Aren't you glad somebody gave you specific direction? Not just, hey, you just try to be good, roll the dice, and hope it works out for you. How much of a comfort would that be? And then it comes after we get saved. Look, we're trying to build our homes according to the will and word of God. Aren't you glad there's specific instruction in here? Amen? Amen. Or do you have it all figured out? I don't have it all figured out. I've got to go to the word of God and find out what kind of husband I need to be, what kind of wife my wife needs to be, what kind of child my child needs to be, what kind of pastor that I need to be. I need specific direction, not just general direction. But how do we find that? Unfortunately, today we look out in the world and most Christians are just plagued, not just Christians, really lost and saved alike, we're plagued with uncertainty. And it's left us stagnant and idle on the side of the road of life, all right? We don't know where we're going, and we don't know where you're going, you just pull over and try to figure it out. And there's too many of us lost and saved this morning. And we're pulled over on the side of the road of life, and we're living in uncertainty because we can't get specific direction in our life. Now, let me tell you this morning, that's unnecessary. You don't have to be stagnant and idle concerning the direction that God wants you to go. Whether you're lost today or saved, you don't have to be stagnant. You don't have to be idle. You can know the specific will of God for your life. You say, well, how do you know that? John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way. Now you say, Brother Jeremiah, we've heard that before. I've heard all that before. Give me something new. Everybody wants something new. Give me something new, something fresh. Wait a minute. Jesus says, I am the way. I think a lot of times we just limit that to salvation. But what does the Bible tell us in 1 Peter 2, 21? For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, listen, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Christ is not only the way to salvation and the only way to heaven. Christ left us an example of what we should follow and how we should follow in order to have specific direction in our life. You don't have to live in uncertainty. Now, today we're going to follow Christ in Matthew chapter 3 and Matthew chapter number 4 as he moves forward in the will of God for his life. Right? We're seeing Jesus, Matthew chapter 3, pick up verse 13. He is really moving forward in his earthly ministry, fulfilling his Father's will. And this morning, he's going to give us three specific ways where we can move forward in the will of God for our life. Now watch, this is not just for saved people. This is for the lost of life. I'm going to show you this morning through the word of God, through following in the footsteps of Christ, who says he is the way, we're going to see this morning how we can know the specific will of God for our life. So this morning, let's look at this subject of finding the way forward, all right? Finding the way forward, capital V on that. Look at verse 13. The Bible says, then Jesus Cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John 
to be baptized. Now, I want you to see the then here. When you give directions, what do you tell somebody? What do you tell somebody? All right, you're going to go up Highway 49, then you're going to turn right. Then you're going to go down uh, uh, Broadway, you're going to go down there all the way downtown, and you get to that light, then you're going to turn another right. We're going to the depot if you wonder where we're going, all right? And you keep using the word then to give direction, all right? Now, as we follow these thens, we're seeing Christ navigate the will of his Father for his life, and he's leaving us a pattern to follow. So why did he go get baptized? Well, if you look down at verse 15, he tells us. He tells John, he says, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. Then we keep reading, he gets baptized. And what does the father say in verse 17? And lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now this is very important. Notice Christ is leaving us an example. That if we are going to find the way forward, by the way, it's God's will you go forward, all right? It's time God's people quit being stagnant and idle and found the will of God for their life and move forward. Now, he's showing us, by example, the way that we find God's will moving forward in our life, number one, is to seek to please the Father. All right? Notice what the Father said in verse 17. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Now, you've got to remember this this morning. Jesus is not just showing us the way to heaven, all right? John 14, 6 is not just the fact that he's showing us the way to heaven. He was the way for us to live on our way there. And he's leaving us an example to follow. And he's showing us, watch this, if you want to fulfill the will of God, the will of the Father in your life, you've got to get used to asking yourself the question, what pleases him? Look, it would answer a whole lot of questions in your life when you're trying to decide which way to go if you just simply ask the question, what pleases the Father? What pleases the Father? I mean, look, folks, look, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. Look, you've sat under me for almost two years. You've learned that pretty quick. I'm not the sharpest tack in the box or the brightest crayon in the box, but I understand this one simple truth, that there's a whole lot of things I don't have to think about. There's a whole lot of things I don't have to decide if I go ahead and just decide that the decisions that I make in life and the direction for life and the direction for my home is going to be based on what pleases the Father. Look, it could bail a lot of you out of thinking. Some of you are just like me. You have a ball spot on the side of your head because you scratch it so much thinking about things God's already figured out. To the barbershop yesterday, and the lady says, ooh. I said, don't worry, it's been there for years. She thought she'd nick me, you know. You got to be careful of those barbershops that have TVs in them because you get busy watching the game, <clears throat> next thing you know, something bad happens. I said, it's all right. Look, I know it's there. That's my worry spot. Some of you have caused that. You sit here and you just make me scratch my head all the time. Look, you don't have to scratch your head about the things God's already figured out. And watch, when you come to the place where you don't know what to do, watch, follow in the footsteps of Christ. Do what pleases the Father. Do what pleases the Father. Oftentimes in our life, we find ourselves thinking about things that God has already included in his word that he would have us do. We don't have to decide his will. He knows his will. I think about up in Washington, they call those folks um, progressives, I think. They call liberals progressives now. And y'all was thinking this morning, they really should call them regressives. Because watch, anything that goes against the will of God is not forward, it's backward. Now understand this, the only way forward, if you want to move forward in your life, it's the only way you're going to move forward is to please the Father. And if you're not pleasing the Father, you're moving backward, all right? You're a regressive, not a progressive, all right? I'm going to try to coin that and see if it'll stick. I doubt it will, but we should call them regressives. Why? Because so many of the policies 
that they render up there in Washington are against the will and the word of God. And if you go against the will and the word of God, you're not progressing, you are regressing. Because the only way to move forward is by seeking to do what pleases the Father. The Old Testament, we've been preaching out of the book of Lamentations on Wednesday night. And look, the Old Testament, time and time again, we read examples that God preserved for us in his word of people who chose to please themselves and what happened. And they chose to please God, and we see what happens. I mean, it's a wonderful record of outcomes of obedience and disobedience. That's why God wants us to read it. Man, there's some really good stuff in there if you're just getting there and read it. One of the things that you can see it real clearly in is in the Old Testament kings of Judah. In 2 Kings and 2 Chronicles, we read about a king by the name of Manasseh. The Bible says that Manasseh did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. By the way, the only thing that matters is the sight of the Lord. What everybody else sees, what everybody else thinks, what everybody else wants, including ourselves, it doesn't matter. It's what the eyes of the Lord deem as right and deem as wrong. The Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 21, he did evil in the sight of the Lord. And you'll find out that life for Judah became difficult. The Bible says the way, that means the road, the path, the way of the transgressor is hard. You see, when you go against God, yeah, it's going to be difficult and it's going to be hard. We keep reading about his son, Ammon. The Bible says that about Ammon, 2 Chronicles 21, 20, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord as his father Manasseh did. And you'll find out that God pronounced judgment. God makes it difficult when you go against him. The way of the transgressor is indeed hard. Now, what did they do? The Bible says they did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. They says we could care less of what pleases God. We're going to do what pleases us. And God says, okay, I'm going to show you the outcome of that. And he made life very difficult, and he pronounced judgment. And then lo and behold, unbelievably, here comes another king, the son of Ammon, the grandson of Manasseh, by the name of Josiah. little eight-year-old kid comes along and assumes the throne after his dad was assassinated. And he assumes the throne, and the Bible says this about Josiah in 2 Kings 22.2. And he did, that, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of David his father, and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. Can I tell you what this kid had figured out that a lot of us don't? He saw that what grandpa did led to trouble. He saw that what dad did led to trouble. And he says, you know what? Strike one, strike two. I'm not going to be strike three. He says, let's see what happens when we please the Lord and do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. And you'll find out that God stayed his judgment for over 20 years. He said, Josiah, you're not going to see it. God protected them. God blessed them. They saw a time of renewal. They saw a time of revival. Why? Because Josiah had enough sense to say, you know what we're going to do as a nation? We're going to do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. And they please God. Oh, this morning, how much difficulty in our life is unnecessary. How much uncertainty in our life is unnecessary. And the only reason we have it is because rather than please the Lord, we're simply pleasing ourselves. I was thinking about my wife's vacuum that I got her for Christmas. One of the best gifts I've ever gotten her. Uh, I think diamonds versus the Roomba. I'm thinking the Roomba is right up there with the diamonds. She's named it the downstairs maid. That's what she's named it. It's fitting because we don't have an upstairs of our house, so I guess that's a good name for it. And uh, she programs it on her phone, and uh, sometimes I'll be at the house studying by myself, and she'll be in the library, and all of a sudden I'll hear the maid fire up. Ooh, 
She starts making her way through the house. I have to pick my feet up, let her go around. Uh, she does a very good job. And so my wife will set her out on her journey. And she's making her way through our house, cleaning up the, the floor. This is a spectacular job of it. And she'll come along to the, 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 the mantle, the hearth there, the brick uh, place in front of the fireplace. And she'll run into it. Kaboom. All right? You know what she does? Brilliant, brilliant little machine. She backs up and she turns a little bit. And then she goes forward. Oh, and she realizes I can't go that way. And so she turns a little bit. And and then, boom, she backs up and she turns a little bit more. Each time she runs into something, she makes a turn and she makes a turn and she makes a turn. Oh, my soul. The Holy Spirit can even speak to your vacuum. He says, you know, that vacuum's smarter than you are. How often do we run into something, run into something, run into something, and rather than turn, we just keep running into it, running into it, running into it. That vacuum's got enough sense to know that it can't go through the brick wall, and so every time it runs into it, it turns a little bit, and after a while, it's on its way again. It figures out, I can't go that way, but I can go this way. Now, folks, if we just be as smart as that vacuum, to realize, look, when we go our own way, we're running into the brick wall. But when we do that which pleases the Lord, that's when God's blessings and God's direction are upon our life again. And I believe the reason this morning that America is suffering so much is because we're constantly running in to that brick wall. Psalms 37, 23, the Bible says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Now watch, there's two words I want you to see there. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Notice this, we have a good man in a delightful way. You see that? All right? A good man in a delightful way. Why? Because the steps are ordered by the Lord. We have a whole lot better men and a whole lot more delightful way if we just let God order our steps. And yet, what do we see today in our world? Instead of seeing good men in a delightful way, we see bad men in a miserable way. Why? Because the steps are not ordered by the Lord. You know, Proverbs 16, 7, this is a promise from God. I think America ought to listen to this this morning. When a man's ways please the Lord... He maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Seems like we have so many fights in our country today. Seems like there are nations poised around the world waiting to pounce upon the floundering United States of America. By the way, we're floundering because we've, we've defied God. And you won't survive. These countries are gearing up. The armament race is kind of beginning again. They're getting ready. Who's going to be the next world power? And thinking, what do we need to do? Well, the Bible says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh enemy, even his enemies to be at peace with him. Can I tell you, when you're trying to find your way forward, you ought to start by asking what pleases God. Are you at a place this morning where you've pulled over on the side of the road of life and you have uncertainty and you're not sure about your direction? Watch this. Instead of trying to figure it out and your brain's getting fried and the smoke's billowing out of your ears, instead of doing all of that, why don't you just decide what what pleases the Lord? Folks, oftentimes in our lives, we make decisions based on logic. By the way, it's a good thing. Some of us need to try it more often. Logic's not a bad thing. Sometimes we crunch the numbers, and when you're doing your household budget, sometimes you need to crunch the numbers. Nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to the will of God, the will of God doesn't always make logical sense. The will of God's not always going to be inside your comfort zone. The will of God's not always going to be involved in your mathematics. Sometimes God asks us to go and do above and beyond what we are capable of doing. That's why we just simply have to ask the question, what pleases God? And you ask what pleases God, you're taking the first step to finding your way forward. Psalms 19, 14, I love this. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. 
David says, I just want to please God with the words that come out of my mouth. Have you ever really wanted to say something to somebody that you thought really needed to hear it? Shake your head yes, or you're lying. And you're thinking, they really need to be set straight. They don't know how wrong they are, and what kind of a Christian would I be if I didn't enlighten them, right? And we could even justify it with our faith. And all of a sudden, you just load up, and you're getting ready to tell them and to get them told, and something on the inside says, mm. You're trying to figure out what that is. That's the Holy Spirit of God. Saying you're only saying that to please you. You're only doing that to please you, not to please the Lord. If you wanted to please the Lord, you would set a watch over your mouth and keep it shut. I know that from bad experiences. My mouth gets to me in all kind of trouble. Just ask my wife. Acts chapter 5, we read about a dilemma that Peter had. They were told not to preach the gospel. Don't preach the gospel. Don't get out there and preach Christ. And they beat them and they put them in prison. It says, don't do it. That's a dilemma. It's coming to, to the United States of America soon. To where we're going to be told we can't preach, we can't have services, and uh, the sweet praises to the honor and glory of God will not echo off these walls or will be threatened. I assure you it's coming. You can't go down the path that we're on and not see that. Just look around the world. It's happened too many times. It's coming here. And they're going to tell us we can't preach like they told Peter we can't preach. Oh, what a dilemma. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Which way are we going to go? I mean, this is a dilemma. I'm not sure this way looks like it's going to be a bad direction. What did Peter say in verse 29 of Acts 5? Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. You know what they said? Look, no offense to you guys, but we've got to please God first. See, the decision was already made. Peter didn't have to worry about it. Now, here's the scary part, and I'll give you the second thing. Oftentimes, pleasing God is very expensive. You say, what do you mean? Well, it comes at a cost of pleasing ourselves. Sometimes pleasing God and doing the will of God means I'm not going to get to do what I want to do and the direction that I want to go. Have you ever listened to yourself pray? You ought to listen to yourself pray sometimes. So how do you know that? Because I've listened to myself pray. And how many of my prayers have been selfish about my will and pleasing me than pleasing God? There was a mom one time, she was taught her son to pray. She says, son, you, you got to pray. When there's a need, you got to pray. you got to pray. Talk to God. Talk to God. So they're going down the road one day. She's taking him out on a mother-son date to McDonald's. And they're on their way, and they look up ahead, and ahead there's a wreck in the road, and traffic's just backed up. And she says, son, we got to pray. Son, we got to pray. And so the boy, she watched him bow his head, and she was so proud. And he began to pray, pray, dear Lord, please help that wreck not to be blocking the entrance to McDonald's. His mom was kind of disappointed. But I'll bet you he learned to pray by listening to mom. It's how often our prayers are not to please God. Our prayers are about pleasing us. How many times do we go before God and we pray, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, when so often, watch this, what we should be praying is what's going to please God. God, please me in this. God, please me in that. God, give me this. God, give me that. When rather, we should be praying, thy will be done, not mine. It's like the lady got on up in years and began to notice that time was taking a toll on uh, the wrinkles that appear sometimes in the life of ladies. And so she began to pray, Lord, please give me the skin of a teenager. Next morning she wakes up with a face covered in acne. <laughs> selfish prayers. We pray selfish prayers. We're not praying to please God. We want to be pleased of ourselves. And that's why James 4.3, the Bible says, Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. 
We pray for what we lust after and what we want rather than praying to seek the Father. It says you ask and receive not. Have you wanted direction in your life? God, I just need some direction. God, I just need some clarity. Could it be the clarity that we're asking for is tainted with the personal desire of what we want? He says you ask and you receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Number one this morning, if you want to find the way forward, you ought to just seek to please the Father. Then look down at verse number one of chapter four. I'm going to hurry. The Bible says then. Now this is an important word. That word then, what does it mean? It's indicating the next turn, the next step he's about to make in the will of God for his life. Now, what's the next step that he made? The Bible says, then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, here's what's really interesting here. Not only do we see the direction he went, the Bible says, he was led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. We see the direction he went, but more importantly, we see how he found the direction. How did he know to go to the wilderness. How did he find the way in the will of his father? Number two, notice, he submitted to the leading of the spirit. He submitted to the leading of the spirit. Now, as I read this, I thought to myself, what an example. Do you not think this morning that Christ knew which way to go? He knew where to go. He knew what to do. I mean, he's Jesus, the sinless son of God. He's God in the flesh. I mean, Jesus knew which way to go, but you know what he's doing in verse number one? He's setting the example because he knew that one day those who followed in his footsteps were going to come to places where they didn't know where to go. Which direction do we go? And he says, I'm going to leave them an example. Then, the Bible says, he was led of the Spirit. Can I tell you one of the greatest treasures that accompanies salvation is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. One of the greatest treasures you say, what do you mean by that? It means after you get saved, John 14, Jesus said to the disciples, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. You look at that word comfortless. Jesus was about to ascend. And oh, they're going to be by themselves. Well, what a scary world to be without Jesus. He said, don't worry, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send the comforter, capital C. That's the Holy Spirit of God. And that Holy Spirit was there to lead them and to guide them. Matter of fact, Romans 8, 14, the Bible says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. He says, I'm not going to leave you orphaned. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you by yourself to find your own way. I'm going to give you a comforter that's going to lead you in the direction you need to go. Now, folks, you ought to be smiling this morning. All right? It's 1157 for those of you who are afraid to look. All right? It's 1157. But understand this. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit of God is there to direct you in the way you should go. You don't have to worry about it. I mean, the Holy Spirit of God is our default. So what do you mean? Well, rather than try to figure it out on our own, number one, ask the question of what pleases the Father. Number two, you ought to submit to the leading of the Spirit. From Galatians 5, says, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Do you know when you and I lose our way? Do you know when we lose our way in life? We lose our way when we walk in the flesh. The Bible says walk in the spirit. That means let the spirit guide you and lead you and direct you, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I don't know about you, but my flesh lusteth after a lot of things. Cheeseburgers, waffles, laziness, hunting, fishing all the time, not wanting to come to the office not wanting to answer my phone. My flesh lusts after a lot of things that are not good. How do I know what's good and what's not good? Watch this. Walk in the Spirit. 
Jesus is giving us a beautiful example. Watch, the sinless Son of God is getting direction by the Holy Spirit of God. And oh, this morning, you could find your way forward in the will of the Father for your life if you just submitted to that. All right, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen. Watch this. That's how you got saved, by the way. If you're here this morning and you're lost, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you say, man, I'm just not sure exactly what I need to do. Listen to the Spirit. What's the Spirit leading you to do? Holy Spirit tugging upon your heart, I remember that well. Long before Paul was on the scene and wrote Galatians chapter 5, there was the uh, intelligentsia of the day, Aristotle. Aristotle's followers were known as, listen close, peripatetics. I would not be a good Baptist preacher if I didn't say that sound, that rhymes with very pathetic. Peripatetic. Very pathetic. All right, I said it. Here's what they would do. We've seen movies about Aristotle, Plato, all of those guys. We've seen the movies, you know, and they're wearing their togas, and they're walking around all of the, uh, the streets of Rome and all of that. And they had all of these people following them. And those people followed them. They listened to them. They took notes. They just kept listening to all of the great words that overflowed out of their mouth and the wisdom and the intellect that they had. A lot of the commentators believe that Paul is painting a similar picture here. That what they would do is those followers would go where they went and they would do what they did and they would say what they said. And a lot of commentators believe the Apostle Paul is painting a very similar picture to the Holy Spirit of God. We should go where he goes, listen to what he says, and do what he did. And if we just did that, we'd find ourselves, listen, with a whole lot less uncertainty in our life and a whole lot more direction. But our problem is we get to choose whether we walk in the Spirit or the flesh. You find yourself getting in trouble oftentimes because we've chosen not to walk in the Spirit. I fear this morning, I've been pastoring just a few years, but I fear that we as Christians have gotten lazy in determining the will of God for our life. So what do you mean gotten lazy? Look, I have no problem as a pastor trying to help folks find the will of God for your life. I can't tell you the will of God for your life other than what he has preserved for us in his word. I can't tell you which job is exactly right for you. I can't tell you where you should move and where you shouldn't move. I cannot tell you those things. You've got to get along with the Holy Spirit of God and discern his will for your life. And I assure you of one thing. The Holy Spirit is going to let you know. But you've got to decide that you're going to tune them in. Let me ask you, in Acts chapter 8, how did Philip know to go and to run up along the side of the chariot of the Ethiopian eunuch? He was led of the Spirit. Look it up, Acts chapter 8. How in Acts chapter 13 did they know to set aside Barnabas and Saul for the work which he had called them? The Bible says the Spirit led them. How in Acts chapter 16 did Paul know that he wasn't supposed to go to Asia to preach the gospel? The Bible says the Spirit forbade them. They just simply found direction by following the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God. But here's the problem. We don't always want to go where the Holy Spirit's leading, do we? Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. Why don't we want to go where he's leading? Well, the Bible says, then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. There's two strikes in that verse right there. Wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Not somewhere why I would want to go. Could we call that somewhere out of our comfort zone? I don't want to go to the wilderness. I have no desire to go to the wilderness. I want to go to the oasis, don't you? I want to go to places where it's nice and green and there's flowing water. I don't want to go into the wilderness where there's no food. I mean, that's strike three right there. There's no food there. And yet, why did he go? Because the Holy Spirit led him. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's going to lead you out of your comfort zone. 
But in order to do the will of God and to move forward in his will and the will of the Father, you're going to have to get out of your comfort zone and go where God says you got to go. Another problem is oftentimes the reason we don't go where he leads is because we can't hear him. We can't hear him. There's too much noise in the background. Mark chapter 4, the Bible tells us about the sower, the seed, the word of God. It is sown. What choked it out? What choked it out? Mark chapter 4, the Bible says, In the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things, other things, entering in, choke the word, and become unfruitful. Do you know why you can't get a clear word from God? All of those other things are drowning it out. Well, you need to turn off some of the noise of life from time to time. Turn off the television. Turn off the phone. Listen, take a few days off work. Go find you a pine thicket somewhere in the woods. Get along with the Holy Spirit of God. And oh, you'll be able to tune it in so clear, you'll know the will of God for your life. But the problem is we don't want to turn the other things off. I read a story about a young man who was working in an ice house. You know, back before the days of refrigerators, those were dark days before refrigerators. Those of you who grew up in the olden days before refrigerators, God bless you, because that had been rough. I don't know how they're the good old days without a refrigerator. Up in the northern states where the lakes would freeze, they would go up and they would cut the ice into great blocks, and they would bring that ice into dark rooms that were kind of underground. They had no light shining in. They kept them as airtight as possible to preserve the ice. They would bring in the great blocks of ice in the winter. And they would cover them in straw and hay to preserve them for future days. And at times, I read just this week, those blocks of ice would last almost to summer. That's a long time to keep those ices there. One of the men who worked in the ice house, as he was bringing in his last block of ice for the day, looked at his arm and realized that his watch had fallen off. Somewhere in the mix of all of that straw and all of that sawdust that insulated the ice, he has lost his watch. He looks and looks and looks and digs and digs and digs through all the straw and he cannot find his watch and he's so disheartened because his wife had given given him that watch for their anniversary. As he walked out the door, he was downtrodden and one of the boys who sold papers out in the street asked him, he said, what's the matter? He said, I've lost the watch that my wife gave me and I'm... Uh, I just really hate it. We're never going to find it. It's somewhere in all of that straw and somewhere in all of that sawdust. The boy says, can I go in and look for it? He says, absolutely. The boy goes in, closes the door. About two or three hours later, the boy comes out and he's carrying the man's watch. The man says, how on earth did you find my watch? He said this. He said, I went inside and I closed the door. I went in and I laid down on the straw and I laid down in the sawdust and I just listened for the ticking. He said, when the door was closed and the noise was shut off, I could hear it click, ticking, ticking. And he was able to find what he was looking for. Can I tell you what I think a lot of us need to do this morning? I think a lot of us need to close the door. Close the door on all of our hobbies. Close the door on a lot of our entertainment. Close the door on just all the noise in our life. And get down on that sawdust and listen intently for what we're missing in our life. The Holy Spirit will speak clearly. The Bible says expressly. But you've got to get along with God in order to hear the direction he's leading in your life. Before I give you the last one, I have to share this with you. First Kings 19, we read a story about Elijah or an account. I hate to use the word story because, you know, Goldilocks is a story. First Kings 19, we read about an encounter Elijah had with God. Elijah goes up on the mountain. God leads him up there. And all of a sudden, the Bible says a great wind passed through that, that rent the rocks. That's, that's a pretty powerful wind. 
The Bible says an earthquake came and it shook the ground and then fire moved through the area. And God says, I'm not in the wind, I'm not in the earthquake, I'm not in the fire. The Bible says that God was in that still, small voice. That's how the Holy Spirit speaks. He's not going to scream at you. He's going to require you to turn some things off in your life, tell some things no in your life, close the door on some things in your life if you're serious about knowing the will of God for your life. If you want to move forward in the will of the Father, you're going to have to submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit, but in order for you to know what the Holy Spirit's telling you, you're going to have to hear him. So number two, submit to that. Molly was little, she had one of those toys. Is it called a see and say? Is that what it's called, where you pull the handle? You know, the center of it goes round and round. You know, it says, what does the cow say? Y'all with me? My kid's the only one that had one of those. Okay, you pull it down. You know, what does the cat say? Meow. We're not going to do it together, all right, so don't worry. Pull it down. What does the pig say? Oink, oink, and all that. Can I ask you, what does the Holy Spirit say? What does the Holy Spirit say? He says something. There's a lot of us today, we're living like the Holy Spirit of God's got nothing to say when the Holy Spirit of God's got everything to say about who we should be and how we should live and the way that we should go, but we got to shut some things off where we can hear from him again. If we just get quiet, we'll hear that still, small voice. Finally, look down, all all the way down. Satan's tempting him these three times. I want you to notice chapter 4. He answered with Scripture every time. That's why you ought to know your Bible. The Bible says that he tempts him again in verse 8 and verse number 9, tells him he'll give him all the kingdoms of the world. By the way, you look at verse 5. Notice verse 5 begins with a then too. Then Jesus did this. Then Jesus did that. Then Jesus went this way. Then Jesus went that way. But I assure you the devil's got some thens for your course too. The devil's got some direction for your root of life as well. He's going to try to interrupt that. Here he is, verse number 5, the devil's stepping in. But I want you to notice real quickly how Jesus responded in verse number 10. Then, here comes the next step in the journey. Then Jesus said unto him, get thee hence, Satan. For it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Jesus told him to get out of here. Jesus told him to leave me alone. The third way to find the way forward in your life, it's very simply this. Stand against the devil. Stand against the devil. Can I tell you one of the best ways to find which way you should go? Is to go ahead and nail down the way you're not going to go. All right? Now let that sink in for a moment. Too many times we leave the door open on the options of life, and many of those options are already options that the Word of God has struck down. All right? They shouldn't be options on the table to begin with. And Jesus says here, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Christ is giving us an example. Watch this. He went back to the word of God. He said, The word of God has already decided what I should do here. You want to find some direction in your life this morning? Watch this. Just decide you're going to go the opposite direction the devil's going. All right? You may not know exactly the direction you should go, but you definitely don't want to go the direction he's going. So often, that would get us out of a lot of trouble in our life if we just eliminated some of the options that God's already eliminated. Last night, my my wife needed some straws for the library, and as a good husband as I am, I decided to go get her some, and um, went to Walmart to get her some some straws, and while walking down the aisle, I saw that Ruffles has a new flavor of potato chips. They're like buffalo wings. Wings are my new thing. I've been eating wings all over Hattiesburg, man. We got some great wings places around here. I saw those chips, and I'm thinking, man, I need those in my life. I walked up to him, and I'm, 
If you were there last night, you saw me standing in front of the, the little thing there. I was in a moral dilemma of my life trying to decide. I'm, you know, I don't want to get fat. I'm sitting here looking at it. And, oh, man, I count the calories. Oh, man. And I kept going back. No joke. I picked them up. I put them back. I picked them up and I put them back. I'm trying to decide what to do. And I said, well, you know what? I'm just going to get them and keep them for later. <laughs> I said, but I know if I get them, I'm going to eat them, right? I didn't get them. Instead, on the way out, I bought me one of those two-for-a-dollar packs of Doritos, just about that big. You know, I found a good happy compromise in there somewhere. But I knew better. I knew better. I knew if they were an option in the cabinet, I was going to eat them, and probably all before the night was over last night. And so I, watch this, I went ahead and ruled them out as an option before I ever got home. Do you know the Word of God rules out a lot of directions the devil wants you to go? And if you go ahead and rule out in your life the things God's already ruled out in your life, some of the questions wouldn't even have to be asked. The Bible says this. Hey, should I go here? Should I do that? Should I hang around them? Should I watch that? Should I listen to this? Hey, go look in the Bible. You'd be amazed. There's a lot in the Bible that says about how we're supposed to live. Then it's already ruled out a lot of the things the devil's going to try to get us to do. So go ahead and decide, number three, if you're going to find your way forward in the will of God, you're just going to stand against the devil. If he's going that way, I'm going that way. Do you know why Daniel survived? The Bible said he purposed in his heart. His mind was already made up before the temptation ever came to defy God. He says, no, I already know the way I'm supposed to go. I can't go that way. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, watch, the king says to them, we're going to throw you in the fiery furnace, and what are you going to do about that? I, I, look, I'll bet you Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't know what was exactly about to happen. But they did know who they were supposed to serve. They said, king, we're not careful. Watch this. We're not terribly worried about it because our mind has already been made up for us that we're supposed to serve God. He said, we're not careful to answer you. They didn't have to worry. Why? Because they had already decided who they were going to stand against. Winston Churchill said this, and I'll hurry. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight wherever the fight may be. He had decided, you know what? It looks like we're about to go into a fight, and boy, were they. He says, so we've already made up our mind. We're going to fight. No matter where we need to fight, we're going to fight. Why? Because the fight was worth fighting. And some of you are going to have to realize, in order to do the will of God, you're going to have to fight somebody. We, just, look, we live in a pacifist society, and I know we're tolerant and all of that stuff. Can I tell you this? Either you're going to fight God for your will, or you're going to fight the world for God's will, but you're going to fight somebody. And you ought to go ahead and decide, I'm going to fight the devil. He's the fun one to fight. Go ahead and decide, I'm, going to fight the, I'm not going to fight the preacher. Please. Let me have one good night's sleep, not come home grumpy with my wife. Look, hey, why don't we decide we're going to gang up on the devil? I'm all in on that one, all right? Don't decide I'm going to gang up on the Sunday school teacher or the deacon or the song leader when the screen goes out. No, hey, I'm going to gang up on the devil. Why? Because he doesn't savor the things of God. I'm going this way. He's going that way. Decide number three, you're going to stand against the devil. Charles Spurgeon said the devil always fights the church when the church is on the move. The Lord's blessed our church lately. We have another baptism this morning. We've seen people saved these last few weeks, folks joining the church. God's blessing our church. Keep your head up and keep your head down. Keep your eyes up, be sober, be vigilant, but then keep your head down. Why? Because the devil's going to fight a church on the move. But the good thing is, 
he can't win. If God's people decide to put on that whole armor that you may be able to stand. I can assure you this morning, I don't always know exactly what to do next. There are times where I do have to get along with God and that sawdust and just listen intently for the leadership of the Holy Spirit of God in my life. And I may not always know exactly what the next step is in my life, but I can tell you there's a lot of steps I know are not the direction I need to go. If you go ahead and decide that this morning, you're on your way to fulfilling the will of the Father in your life. I wonder this morning. No, I don't wonder. I'm certain today. I am certain that every person in this room, even the folks watching on live stream this morning, every one of us has a step to take forward. Moving forward in the will of God for your life, you've got a step. You've got a step. He doesn't want us to be stagnant. He doesn't want us to be idle. And here's Christ taking the early steps of his ministry, and he shows us, watch this. Let me tell you how to make a conclusion. Number one, decide you're going to please God. I'm not going to please, please mom or dad or aunt or uncle. I'm not going to please my neighbor. I'm going to please God. That's the direction I'm going. You just took the first step. Then I'm going to submit to the Spirit. And finally, I'm going to stand against the devil. If you'll make up your mind to do those things this morning, I'll promise you, you as Christ will fulfill the will of the Father in your life. I'm going to ask you a question this morning. What's the Spirit saying? Is he saying you're lost and need to be saved? Is he tugging? You're not 100% completely sure if you died right now, you're going to heaven, and you feel that tugging? Submit to the Spirit. Why don't you come down front in just a second? One of our pastors will love to take the Word of God and show you how you can know that you're saved. Probably there's a lot of saved people here this morning. You need to take a step forward to please God, to obey the leading of the Spirit, and to stand against the devil. Let's stand together, heads bowed, eyes closed this morning.